Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Cash That. This is Joe Delera. It's just me today. Producer Corey is literally sleeping on the job. The kid took a nap. He needed some shut eye, but we are here. We're recording and we're going to get this bad boy out to you. We've been absolutely smoking it when we give these picks out to start the pod. And I've got three for you for tomorrow's games or for today's games, actually. And we are going to start off with the Los Angeles Lakers minus five and a half against the Portland trailblazers. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, uh, like we do with all of our picks. And the next bet is going to be Keldon Johnson of the San Antonio Spurs to record over one and a half assists. And finally, we're going to go right back to another spread pick. And we're going to be taking the golden state warriors plus three and a half against the Utah Jazz, and I would actually sprinkle this money line. I think that they are a very live dog. Um, So just to recap, that is the Los Angeles Lakers minus five and a half. Keldon Johnson of the San Antonio Spurs to record one and a half assists. And the Golden State Warriors plus three and a half with a sprinkle on the money line. On the season, since we started this, we are 10 and three on pod picks. So if you bet one unit on every pick, that would be plus 7.07 units. Let's keep it going here. And Soapbox Joe is back. We are going to be talking about the NBA trade deadline that is this Thursday. So we've got a lot of action already. And I'll talk about some projections that I think might happen. And I'm going to give you some reactions and what I think the fallout is of some of these trades that have happened already. The first trade I'm going to talk about is the Karis Levert trade, uh, where Karis Levert was traded from the Indiana Pacers to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I think that this is a great trade for the Cavs. They were able to supplement their backcourt. They lost Ricky Rubio over the season. They lost Colin Sexton. They're getting a great contract with Levert. He's adding in. He's instant offense. And that's something that they really needed because although the Cavaliers have been excellent this season and they're one of the top teams in adjusted net rating they're actually number four in adjusted net rating at plus 4.6 they're the highest ranked team in the eastern conference and that's it's really just because of their defense they have the second best adjusted defensive rating in the nba and Karis Levert is going to bring them something that they didn't have before. He's going to bring them instant offense. Levert, you know, he was crushing it with Indiana, especially when he had an expanded role. And it's it's been tough for Cleveland because outside of Darius Garland, when he's off the floor, this team, this team really is in a tough spot. So with Levert, they can at least stagger the minutes a little bit. You know, Rajon Rondo, he's only been able to play um, about 20 minutes per game. And I think that this is a good spot for them. You know, Levert, I think he's, he should see an uptick to his assists. I think, you know, he, he's only had about three assists per game, but I expect him to be able to dish the ball a little bit more. You know, you have the bigs, you have Mobley, you have, uh, you have Jared Allen, you have Laurie Markinen. I think that Karis Levert is going to do that. I think he's going to dish a little bit more, but when he's also called upon the guy's a bucket, the guy can get, he can score on his own. And I've been on my soapbox for this Cavaliers team before I've talked about them to win the division. I've talked about them to win the conference, the conference. And I've talked about them to win the title. And I hope you guys have followed this because they're right now they were, they were about like plus 370 to win the division before. Um, now they're about as low as three to one, uh, depending on the book, depending on when you catch this line. Uh, there's some value there I, I, because, look, they're in the same division as obviously the Milwaukee Bucks and the Chicago Bulls. 
they're only they're all tied in the loss column. And I don't see any reason why the Cavs, you know, like I, they have motivation, like they're the team that's supposed to be, you know, that isn't supposed to be there. I, I don't see any reason why the Cavs can't win this division. The Bucks have kind of shown that like when, even though they're awesome, they're dominant, they're kicking the shit out of the Lakers at the time of this recording, you know, they aren't really worried about the regular season. If they win the division, they win the division. If they don't, you know, you still got Giannis, you got Drew, you got Chris Middleton, like they're ready for the playoffs. That's, that's all they care about in terms of defending this title run. And the Bulls, they're kind of banged up. I don't really think that they can make a really like another significant move here. And, you know, it's, 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 it's a long race here. I, I think that the Cavs are definitely live, especially at the odds. That's the thing. So if you're looking at this, you know, you got the Bucks at minus 150, the Bulls at plus 250, and the Cavs are at plus 310. And the Cavs are the best team out of all three in terms of adjusted net rating. Uh, the Cavs are plus 4.6, the Bucks are plus 2.1, and the Bulls are all the way down at 15th at plus 1.1. So even though the Bulls record has been better uh, over the course of the season, I, I don't, I think that it might be floated a little bit because they've had actually the second easiest schedule in the NBA. So I, I like the Cavs here. I think that they're totally live at three, like plus 300, plus 310 uh, to win this division. And I, I think that there's actually some value even on the conference. They're 20 to one. And for them to win the title, you can get odds still at 50 to one. It, it's, I, I can't believe it. Like this team is so good. They're so fundamentally sound. I get that their offense had, you know, has had difficulties this season, but with Harris Levert joining this joining the squad, I don't see any reason why they're valued at the way that they are. So if you don't have one, maybe take a free bet, maybe take some winnings that you have from the Super Bowl and throw it on there. I don't think it's a bad play at all. Um, the next trade that I'm going to talk about, and oh, and by the way, I think this is a win for both teams and we'll get back to the Pacers in a little bit, but basically the Pacers just traded Levert. They get they got Ricky Rubio's expiring contract, which was a great move. Um, and it, it, you know, they were able to get rid of an asset and free up some cap space. I, I think this was a perfect, this was a perfect trade for them, especially considering the next trade that we're going to talk about, which is the bombshell out of Sacramento, where my boy Tyrese Halliburton, fellow NBA top shot collector, was traded for DeMontis Sabonis. I've never been more flabbergasted in my life. I, I don't understand how Tyrese Halliburton, who has been a world wrecker this season, got traded for DeMontis Sabonis. I mean, look, Sabonis is awesome. And I think he's 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 an actually like he's an excellent player. But I just don't really understand how we ended up in this situation where, you know, the the Kings said that Tyrese was off limits for Benjamin Simmons, who I think is depending on what the situation is, I, I like, I kind of prefer Simmons. Um, I think that Simmons has a lot of value and we'll get into that a little bit later, but the, basically the Kings said that Halliburton was off limits for Simmons, yet they moved him for DeMontis Sabonis. Now look, Halliburton is in his second year because of the way he fell in the draft, he's actually on like a very good contract. Um, he's only really owed $10 million over the next couple of years. And it, it's just this one hurts me um, because Halliburton, he looks like he's going to be like a rising star. Um, he looks like he can really command the ball. He looks like he's willing to learn. And, he, you know, he was at a position in need where they like I understand that the Kings had De'Aaron Fox and maybe that's the, why they, they moved to Halliburton. 
I think Halliburton's better than De'Aaron Fox. And people were calling. They were asking about De'Aaron Fox. They wanted to know what was up. And when Halliburton had the opportunity to play on his own, he was balling for the Kings. He was dropping like double doubles. He was nothing. And he's shown a willingness to learn, which I think is critical. And, you know, he's only like 21 years old. And not that Sabonis is old or not that De'Aaron Fox is old, but like, you want the guy that's younger. You want the guy that's on, that's got more control, like team control. I couldn't believe this trade. Like if that was all that it took to get Tyrese Halliburton, I don't know how more NBA teams weren't in on this because that's just incredible. Like Halliburton's a, he's an absolute game changer. And it's like, he's one of those guys, like you hit it on it and you're just like, wow, this was a big win for us in the draft and to be traded in the second year in the league. Absolutely mind blowing. So, you know, look, Halliburton, he's averaging 14.3 points, 3.9 rebounds, and 7.4 assists per game with 1.7 steals and 0.7 blocks. Like, he's going to get some run in Indiana. Like, they don't have anybody really outside of him now, especially that they move Levert. So I like his value. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really curious about his props. I think that he actually might be a better fantasy asset, a better props asset in Indiana because – of who they have around him. Like they're going to have Malcolm Brogdon there. So I think he's going to have somebody to actually learn from, which is awesome uh, because Brogdon and Halliburton have like a very similar style of play in a way. And, you know, it looks like miles Turner is super excited about playing with Halliburton. Maybe they don't move him now. Like, cause the talks have been, Oh, they're going to move Sabonis. They're going to move miles Turner. Turner's like a a perennial, like defensive player of the year conversation type of guy. He can jam it. He can also, he plays great defense. He gets a lot of blocks and he can shoot the three ball every so often. So like maybe the, maybe the Pacers actually try to build around these guys. This is an absolute awesome win for the Pacers to get Tyrese Halliburton, especially for a guy in DeMontis Sabonis, who we had seen didn't really play that well with Miles Turner. Like this squad just wasn't meshing properly. And even though he's putting up almost 19 points a game, 12 rebounds and five assists per game, it just wasn't a good fit there in Indiana with, with him and the rest of the team, the way that they were composed. So I'm not going to knock the Kings for getting DeMontis Sabonis. I'm knocking the Kings for the fact that they traded Tyrese Halliburton for DeMontis Sabonis. If they made this trade, but instead they traded De'Aaron Fox, I don't feel as bad about it. Fox is on a big contract. Like I just, I, I, I struggle with this one and I went on a tweeting rampage and I just, I cannot understand it. Like it just, it just really doesn't make a lot of sense to me. This one's crazy. I, I just, I, I think that this is an absolute L for the, for the, for the Sacramento Kings. Like it just, it doesn't make sense, you know? Because not only did they trade Tyrese, they traded Buddy Heald and Tristan Thompson, who were like two of their more movable assets. They were two veterans. They were two guys that they could have really leveraged for trades. This was like an all-in move for a Kings team that's on the outside looking in at the playoffs. And like, I get it. Like, okay, sure. Like you want to make the playoffs. You want to make a run. But look, they're in 13th place. They're 20 and 35. They're three games behind the Pelicans in the loss column for the 10 seed. And like, you're not going to jump. You're just not even, you're not going to jump the Lakers. You're not going to jump the Clippers. Like you're really just gunning for the 10 seed. And I get that. Like the Blazers aren't really trying, but the Pelicans are trying. They just traded for CJ McCollum and the Spurs. They have DeJounte Murray. So this is, this is a wild move. It's a very win now move for a team that's not really capable of winning now. So bonus is under contract for the next couple seasons, but 
what's to, who's to say he's not going to walk at that point. So I, I like, I really hate this trade for the Kings, especially when I feel like they could have moved buddy healed for better assets, better draft picks, whatever. Um, and maybe been able to really reassess this in the off season, move De'Aaron Fox, like what, whatever. I, I just, I hate this trade for them. Uh, but like I said, I think that this is an absolute win for the Pacers. Uh, I doubt that they will make any type of playoff run this season. They're really too far out. Um, being almost nine games out in the loss column of the 10 seed. But, you know, I, I, I do like how this sets them up for next season. I think this is really, really interesting. Um, and, and I think it's a great trade for the Pacers. Uh, but the next trade is, like I mentioned, the New Orleans Pelicans traded for C.J. McCollum. And this is a trade that we've been talking about. I feel like we've been talking about C.J. McCollum getting traded forever. And it just hasn't happened. Like they were trying to say like, Oh, he's going to go to, he's going to go to the Sixers for Ben Simmons. He's going to get moved to the Knicks. He's going to go there. He's going to go there. But it's just been about how does he pair with Damian Lillard? And the two of them have been a fantastic guard combo in the NBA, but it's kind of one of those things. It's like, we've seen this. They just don't, they can't get there. And the problem is too, with between when you have Dame and when you had CJ McCollum, they almost, they were so poor, like defensively as a group, that they actually made like Nurkic, Robert Covington, they made those guys like bad defenders. And this is a really interesting situation where I think that because of Anthony Simon's development, it enabled the play, the Blazers to say, okay, like we're going to move McCollum. And even if they're going to, even they're saying that they're going to build rebuild around Dame, but I don't even understand how that fits anybody's time frame. I don't understand how that fits Lillard's time frame. And I, I would imagine that Lillard might get moved either at the deadline or in the off season, but the trade, you know, they, they just had to, they had to break the squad up and I respect it. Uh, I, I hope that McCollum plays well in new Orleans. Maybe we'll get to see Zion a little bit then, but I think this is a good trade. Uh, the Blazers got, you know, they got a lot of assets, but the thing is like, unless they use those assets to then go flip them and acquire more talent, I think that the writing's on the wall for whether for the, whether or not Dame gets traded. And I think that that's something that they're trying to avoid. They're trying to do a lot of posturing, saying like, oh, we're not going to move Damian Lillard. But if we really think about it, it doesn't fit their time frame. They're a small market. I don't know how you really get somebody to go to Portland to play with Dame if it's not in a trade. And you probably just traded your most tradable asset in CJ McCollum and I don't even know what you were really going to get for McCollum anyway, uh, that was going to push the Blazers like over the edge per, per se. So, you know, we'll see what they do. Anthony Simon's development, Anthony Simon is going to continue to eat the season. Uh, and I, and I think he's going to be excellent. Um, especially without CJ, I, I would see his assist numbers climb. His points are going to, or his points are going to skyrocket. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him touching, you know, like 25, points a game uh, as long as Dame's out. They just don't really have anybody else right now. So this is a very interesting situation here. Um, and, you know, I think the Pelicans, they're making a run for it. I, I think that what they're really trying to do is as well is, look, Zion hasn't played a game for them this season. They're sitting in 10th. I think they want Zion to feel like he can come back and he doesn't need to like go leave because there's all the rumors about Zion wanting out. He doesn't want to play for the Pelicans. But if you make this a winning environment, Maybe he wants to stay. Maybe he says like, all right, yeah, like I'm down. Like, you know, this team could be nasty. We got BI, we got me, we got CJ, like we're good, you know? Um, so I, I'm very curious to see how this works out for them, but they are going to make a run now. I think they're, they're going to sit in, they're going to stay in this 10 seed. 
And I think it might be a little bit tougher because, you know, the trade that they made, they made the Blazers worse. The Blazers were the closest team to them. So, uh, and they got a two game lead in the loss column on the San Antonio Spurs. So I think that this is, this is a cool spot. Um, it's exciting to see like a new younger team, like kind of adding a veteran piece, adding some veteran leadership. I like the trade for the Pelicans. Um, I think they got a good piece and, you know, some more perimeter scoring. So finally, the last trade, like I said, uh, you know, the Blazers have been selling pieces. They've been moving people all over the place. They moved Norman Powell and they moved Robert Covington to the Clippers. And they got Eric Bledsoe in return. They got Justice Winslow in return. Eric Bledsoe is going to get bought out like 100%. And the thing about this, like I said before, when they move CJ, the real winner is Anthony Simons. And a lot of it has to do with like the Blazers. Like I said, they're a small market team. This is a sign that they are committed to Anthony Simons. They will be paying Anthony Simons probably in the offseason, and they're going to extend him. This is a big move. And this, this is really going to be the turning point for the Blazers. And it's going to be whether or not Damian Lillard feels that Anthony Simons is enough with maybe some cap space to make a push next season because they're going to have some picks. They've got a couple first-round picks. Do they move them? Or do they do the small market thing and draft those picks, hope one of them develops and see what happens there. So I'm really curious about that. I'm really curious to see, you know, if Dame is traded, does that change, you know, or if Dame enters the market, does that analysis now change what's going on with James Harden and with Ben Simmons? So and also let's talk and Bradley Beal as well, who is now officially done for the season with season ending wrist surgery. So you've got these four pieces. Harden is apparently like not happy with the Brooklyn Nets. And it's it's not really a surprise, I don't think. I mean, Kyrie being a part-time player, Durant, he's he's like constantly hurt, which is not really his fault, but he's just he's just oft injured. And Harden, I think really he wanted out of his prior situation because he wanted to be in a group. He wanted to join forces with some of his friends, like some of like these better players, some of the more elite players in the NBA and be able to play like a different type of role. And he hasn't been able to do that. So I think that's part of why the fact, like he's a free agent at the end of the season, he could just walk. And I think that's what makes this complicated because if you're the Philadelphia 76ers, my position is, you need to maximize Joel Embiid and any year that Joel Embiid is having an MVP caliber year, you need to put him in a position to win the NBA finals because he's that good. Um, and right now I get that they're climbing in the standings. They're in the five seed. They're really one game out or two games out of the, you know, two and a half games out of the one seed behind uh, the Miami heat. But I think that they, like, I don't, I don't see the Sixers beating you know, the Bucks, the Heat, maybe even the Cavs right now, the Nets, like in the Eastern Conference, if they don't add a piece to this team. Tyrese Maxey's been awesome, just incredible player. I love watching him play. But I have concerns about Tobias Harris going forward in the postseason. And, you know, and Beattie gets hurt. Like it just, it happens sometimes, but I, I just feel like they need like one more piece to really put them over the top and say like, these are the guys, like they are here and Harden would do that. And I think that a Simmons for Harden trade, like actually makes sense for both teams actually, because the Sixers would probably have to give up more assets. They would have to give up Ben Simmons, maybe a couple firsts, probably Matisse Thibault. Uh, and I would say that Maxi's off the table. There's no way they move Maxi. If 
if one of those guys is like holding up this trade, if you're a Sixers fan, you have to be, I, I would imagine that you're pissed at Daryl Morey. Like you want to maximize these years. And it's like, all right, look, you're not, Simmons isn't playing for you guys. So sure. Like you can wait till the off season and like, you don't want to make one of your competitors better. Like the Brooklyn Nets, you don't want to make them better, but at the same time, like you need to be worried about yourself. And right now we don't know, like right now we're getting close to the postseason. Like we don't know if Embiid is going to have another year like this. Like we don't know what the rest of the team's going to look like. We, we don't, we just don't know these things. We don't know what the rest of the East is going to look like right now. It feels like they have a chance. And if Harden's available, I think you have to pull the trigger. Uh, and I, and it's created an interesting situation because it's like, well, do they wait? Do they try to like get Bradley Beal? Do they try to get Damian Lillard? I think you got to just get the guy that's there. And Simmons isn't going to play for you. He's an, So if you add Harden, it's an automatic plus. Like Simmons just is not going to play for the 76ers this season. Um, and, you know, maybe this doesn't happen. Maybe he sits out the rest of the year and the Sixers just hold their, hold their, you know, hold themselves there and then just say like, all right, like we'll just roll with what we got. But it just feels like a wasted year. I would love to bet on the 76ers to win the title. If they make a trade, I think that they immediately become front runners in the East, uh, probably with the Milwaukee bucks, but it's, it's a tough spot. Uh, but on the flip side, I really like, I would really like the move for the nets. The nets could really use some perimeter like defense. Their defense has been some of the worst in the league without Durant Irving and Harden over the past couple of games and past couple of weeks. You got to, they need some size. They need some length. Simmons gives them both. He also like, not that Irving and Durant or Irving and Harden are redundant to each other, but I think that Simmons gives you a different element. He gives you more physicality. He gives you more def defensive versatility. He also is a primary ball handler. And I think that you would put the ball in his hands and allow Kyrie to be like his scorer self, not ask him to be the facilitator because Kyrie deferred to Harden anyway, when Harden joined that team. Um, so Kyrie, I don't think needs to be the primary ball handler. And then you, it gives you, your, it gives you Durant who can play a little bit more off ball and it gives you more length. So I could see them running out a lineup where, you know, you start Kyrie, Joe Harris or Patty Mills, Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, LaMarcus Aldridge. And then they also have a little bit of versatility. They could run a death lineup with Kyrie, Patty, Harris, Durant, and Simmons. And, you know, like a la the Golden State Warriors with Draymond Green at the five. So I'm not saying that Simmons is Draymond Green, but they can fit that similar role and cover multiple positions, play multiple positions and really facilitate and open up plays for others. So like I, I, I think that Simmons is a great asset. I like Simmons a lot. I think he gets a lot of hate. Um, and I think a lot of it's really unnecessary, to be honest with you. I think that he's a fantastic player and. Like if, if your team has the opportunity to trade for a guy that's like 25 years old, he's already been an all-star um, he's touching all NBA. I think like, sure, you know, he's a flawed player, but what, play, how many players really aren't in the NBA? I think that if he's put in a situation where he can be surrounded by shooters, surrounded by scores, and he's just asked to be the facilitator, it's a dramatically different situation than what they were asking of him in Philadelphia, where really him and Joel Embiid, both needed to occupy the same space in order to maximize themselves. So it's like in order to optimize the Philadelphia 76ers, in order to optimize Ben Simmons, you had to take away from Joel Embiid and vice versa. So I don't think you were ever going to see the ceiling of both players at the same time in Philly. And I think this trade 
needs to get done. Will it get done? Different story because that a lot of the times comes down to a pissing contest. So it is what it is. Uh, we'll keep our eyes peeled for some of these trades coming up. I would not be surprised, you know, if Jeremy Grant gets dealt. Uh, I would not be surprised if Dennis Schroeder gets traded. Uh, there's a lot of rumors about him surrounding, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks are one of the teams that want him. And I wouldn't be surprised, like, the Grizzlies might make a move. Like maybe you'll see a move for like KCP or, you know, some sort of shooter because uh, they could really use another guy outside of Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks, like on the perimeter. And the jazz are interesting. I don't think the jazz can really afford to make a move because of the injury to Joe Ingles. Uh, he was their movable asset. He's now out for the rest of the season. This is a tough spot. And I think what this is doing is this is providing us with some value on the Denver Nuggets. Although the Nuggets can't really make a good move, they're plus 650 to win the division right now. They're three games behind the Utah Jazz in the loss column. I just, I really like, don't think that this is a crazy bet. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that, look, they're going to get, they're getting guys back. So, like, they're going to be getting, um, Jamal Murray back in the next couple of weeks. They're going to be getting Michael Porter Jr. back the way it's that's the way it sounds like maybe towards the end of the season. So look, the Jazz are minus a thousand to win the Northwest. The Nuggets are plus six fifty, and then you're in the same division as the Timberwolves, the Thunder, and the Blazers. So both the Timberwolves are kind of out of it. They're you know they're really what is this? They're four games behind the Jazz in the loss column. So, and I just think that their schedule, like they're just not as good as the Nuggets. Like the Nuggets are, have a little bit more upside here, uh, just based on who they're going to be getting. And the Wolves, you know, they are uh, 13th in adjusted net, whereas Denver is ninth, and the Jazz are still in third. But I just think that there's some value at the plus 650 number for the Nuggets, especially considering the fact that you're going to be able to actually get another player, an all-star caliber player, joining this team that has the best player in the world right now in Nikola Jokic. So I think that plus 650 is a little bit of good value and I'm going to bite. Like I'm going to take that plus 650. So with that being said, we are going to circle back. We're going to talk about our bets here. Like I said, we've been crushing this. Uh, you know, if you have any other questions, obviously hit me up on Twitter. We will, we'll discuss, but we've been crushing these picks and I've been trying to get them out as fast as possible you guys, but look, the key here is we're going to talk about the Warriors first. I don't understand this line. The Warriors are plus three and a half versus the Jazz. I think that this line is going to move to a pick them. So that's why I'm going to say right now on the pod, I would take this at the money line as well. Um, so that way, if you miss the good number, you know, just take the money line. It's okay. Look, Gobert is awesome. Gobert is a plus 12.5 points per 100 possessions, and he's an opponent scored nine and a half points fewer when he's off the floor or when he's on the floor. Um, and look, I, I think that that's one of the things that I'm most interested about since he's been out over the last seven games, he's going to be missing this game as well. They're three and four. They just should not have beat the Knicks just absolutely should not have beat the Knicks. Like I don't, that game hurt that game just hurt. They shouldn't have beat the Knicks. They shouldn't have covered against them. And as a home favorite, they are now still just 10 and 18 against the spread as a home favorite this season. And without Gobert, the Jazz allow 115.6 points per 100 possessions. This Warriors team is still good. Like, Clay is going to sit. 
looks like Iguodala is going to be out and they're obviously going to be missing Draymond. But I think that in aggregate, the effect of losing Rudy Gobert is much, 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 much more significant than Golden State not having those players. Over the last, uh, over the last two weeks, Golden State has been absolutely smoking teams. They're <laughs> they're 9-1 and one over their last 10 and they're and they're seven and zero over the last two weeks. And if you really look at this, it's not even just their defense anymore. Like their defense had been number one in the league for a while, and that a lot of that had to do with Draymond because Draymond obviously DPOY candidate. Um, he him and Gobert are the favorites, and both of them are out right now. So there's creating some like a vacuum there in terms of there being a little bit of value in those those odds, but. Their offense is crushing right now. They have had the number one offense over the last two weeks, scoring 123.4 points per 100 possessions. They're plus 13.3 in terms of point differential. And they still have the seventh best defense over that span. The Jazz, like, sure, they've been fine, but their offense has taken a hit back. Um, They're just plus 1.1 points per 100 possessions. They're three and three. Uh, and about league average in both offense and defense. And I just don't like this spot for Utah. Rudy Gobert is so, so critical for this team. And without him, they don't have that rebounding advantage. They don't have that elite rim protector. This Golden State team, even though they're like, I don't want to say they're undersized, but they're not like, that's not like really their strength. Now they don't even have that disadvantage here against the Jazz. Like, I, I think that this is a smash spot. I love the Warriors plus three and a half here. We're absolutely taking that. And we absolutely are playing it on the money line. Um, so for the next pick, we're going to, I'm going to, I'll come back on the prop last, but we're going to look, we're looking at the Blazers and the Lakers. The Lakers are five and a half point favorites, the Blazers and the Blazers just like, they just traded everybody. Like they have nobody. And I get that the Lakers just are getting hosed by the bucks right now. Um, they're it's, Three minutes and 48 seconds left in the third quarter, and they're down 101 to 79. They might probably just rest like LeBron and them, like in the fourth quarter right now. I don't think they're going to sit. Like LeBron's not really a rest guy. And this is an important game. Uh, just in terms of, you know, the standings, like I, I get that the Lakers aren't really worried about it. Like they'll play whoever. They're tied in the law or like they're really tied in terms of games back of the one seed. They're both they're 18 years back, but they're ninth. They're ninth in the Western conference. They need to move up like a little bit. Like you don't want to be in this play in situation here. And these games where you can get like an easy win. These are the games that you actually should be playing your superstars. The games that are toss-ups are the ones that you should be resting your guys. And I think that like the Lakers know that. I think they know that this is a very, very, very winnable game against the Blazers. And five and a half is just, the number is ridiculous. Um, like I said, they traded everybody. And I think this is a spot that LeBron and the Lakers and Westbrook and Anthony Davis, like they can get out and run on this team. And the Lakers defense has been top nine over the last two weeks. The Blazers can't score. They're in the bottom third of offense. They are really just going to rely primarily on Anthony Simons and, you know, maybe Nurkic can get something done in the post, but this is a great spot for the Lakers five and a half. I think it's just a disrespectful line and we're going to take the Lakers minus five and a half on the road against the Blazers. I get that. It's a back-to-back lay the points. LeBron and company should take care of business here. And finally, we're going to be looking at a player prop because you guys know I love player props, putting them out in the Discord, putting them out on Twitter. And the pick that I'm looking at 
is Keldon Johnson to record over one and a half assists. Now look, Cleveland plays a little bit slow. They don't allow a ton of assists per game, but the thing that I like here is that the Spurs play fast. So the Spurs have the fifth fastest pace in the league. They have the second shortest offensive possession length, and they're about league average in terms of defensive possession length. The Cavs, they play at the 24th pace in the league. Their offense is slow, but their defense allows quick shots. So what I'm thinking is that if Garland doesn't play, who's because he's questionable with an injury here, I think that Levert is going to control the pace. Levert is used to playing with the Pacers. The Pacers don't play ultra fast, but they play a little bit faster than they like than the Cavs because the Cavs play at the slowest pace in the league, really, in terms of uh, like offensive possession length. So I think Levert might like help pick this pace up a little bit. And Garland really like if he's not there, I think that this game is going to stay even closer. And I kind of like the Spurs actually on the spread. They're plus six and a half. If you can get that. I think that this is a good spot. Um, the other thing is Keldon Johnson, like he's not like the biggest assist guy, but he gets minutes. And the thing is, that's the thing that matters with assists. Like they just, assists just seem to happen. Um, you know, like some guys, like they just don't pass like white side just never passes, but Keldon Johnson, I think this line is just a little low. Um, he's cleared this number in seven of his last 10 games. He averages 1.8 assists per game over the 50 games he's played this season. He's only missed this in 13 of them. So that means in 74% of games, he's cleared this assist line and he's only had a couple donuts anyway. So even when he's missing, like he's still passing the ball it is not like a net zero situation. Like the variance is there. Like this game should stay close. I like Kelvin Johnson to record over one and a half assists. So those are the three picks for this week. It's the Warriors plus three and a half. I would take it down to the money line. I would sprinkle the money line if you get those plus odds. It's plus 140 at the time of this recording. Get the Lakers minus five and a half and Keldon Johnson over one and a half assists. Now, uh, I'm going to plug the Discord. I'm going to recommend the Discord. Uh, I've been dropping these picks a little bit earlier in there. So you get this first thing. Um And then obviously listen to the pod. You get them first thing on the episode anyway, plus all this lovely analysis of Soapbox Joe. So for for Cash That, we are obviously going to do pods and recs. And this is really just me. So what I'm going to recommend doing is not buying jerseys before the trade deadline. I was very upset. I bought a Sacramento Kings Sacktown Tyrese Halliburton jersey that was supposed to be shipped today. I had to cancel it because he was traded to the Indiana Pacers. I'm not even kidding. I looked at the Pacers uniforms and they are some of the ugliest things I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, I just cannot even rationalize buying this. So luckily the NBA store, they gave me a refund. They refunded the gift card. Uh, It wasn't a big deal, but if you're like, even if you're, even if you think that your guy is safe, just wait till after the deadline. It's so much safer. And uh, I, I was going to buy, I was going to, I was looking, I was like, oh, maybe I'll roll it into a different Jersey right now. And I was like, you know what? It's just two days away. Gift cards, not going anywhere. I'm going to save it until then. So these are our picks for the week. Those are my recommendations. Love you guys. Let's cash that.